From Johannesburg to Jerusalem, the world is always changing, growing and innovating. Join Benji Shulman for the next hour as he brings you the trendsetters, the thought leaders and those creating news before it happens. Only on the New Blue Review, your favorite Jewish culture and current affairs show. Every Monday at 9 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM. And we have on the line Ian Fur. He is from the Hatch Institute, which is a personal and business coaching company that strives to build leaders who can drive real growth within their organizations. And we're talking to him about the issue of burnout today and what it means for you, your business, and if you're an employee, I'm sure as well. Ian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with us on the New Blue Review. Hi, Benji. Thank you very much for having me. Now, burnout is the kind of word that sort of gets thrown around as a kind of psychological term quite often. You hear people using it, but it's one of those words which sometimes people are not really sure what it means. So maybe let's start by talking about that to begin with. When we talk about burnout, what does it actually mean? So the first thing that you need to understand is that I'm not a psychologist. I can't give you a very good definition of what that means. But the way that I understand it is really when you have an, an increased amount of stress from a number of different levels. And at the moment, you know, South Africans are experiencing a lot of stress from different areas. In particular, the, the pandemic, of course, is the first thing. And then all the political stuff that's going on in the country, plus the health, plus the psychological health. And of course, the, the political in, in that sort of scenario with, with the unrest and the, and, and, and the crime and the corruption and the looting. There's so many stresses at the moment that the poor employees are having to deal with a hell of a lot at the moment. And that, that, that's really where the concern comes. And then on top of that, we have high workloads because um, due to the, the pandemic, we have a situation where people have left who have been retrenched and companies couldn't afford to keep some people and they haven't replaced those. So the people that are still there left behind are now having to take on an increased workload, which is making it even more difficult. So all of these things at the end of the day result in high stress levels and burnout where people just can't take any. And I'm seeing at the moment a lot in, in my clients at the Hatch Institute, my clients, where people are taking off or being booked off work for three to four weeks at a time because they just can't handle the psychological issues anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's uh, definitely something which has, has compound, compounded the work-from-home phenomenon. And actually, that's something I wouldn't mind starting with. There have been some reports of people working from home and that being very beneficial. Others saying that people are more productive. But some people saying, you know, working at home with kids is not great. And it also means people are working longer hours. They're bringing their office home. What are you seeing in terms of people working at home and how that's affecting their stress levels on the positive or on the negative? Okay, that's right. There's a real mixed bag of results in terms of, of the remote working from home at the moment. Some people say it's fine. They, they're more productive. They get things done. They've got more time because they're not sitting in the traffic. Some people say they can't stand working at home. They've got too many distractions. Obviously, parents with children also get the, um, the additional distraction. And, and during school holidays, there's homeschooling and there's all kinds of other things that, that impact. So, so it's a real mixed bag. And what I've been advising my clients is, is to ask each person individually, instead of making a blanket,
blanket sort of command that says you must either work at home or you must work in the office. Try and speak to each individual, to each individual person and see how they feel about it. You know, would they prefer to, to be working at home or would they prefer to work at the office? And I think then you'll get a much better reaction from people because sometimes people don't like being forced to work either at home or at the office. They prefer to have some sort of choice in the matter if it's at all possible. Yeah, absolutely. I can see how that might be a discussion that HR departments are having. Also related to that, you know, I saw this great meme the other day of this cat that's working on a computer and outside you can see explosions and buildings on fire and people shooting and this cat is just trying to do its work on the computer, right? And and I did think that that meme sounds like South Africa in the last a few weeks and especially with Twitter where you can just watch everything sort of in real time. I I can imagine that that is, is an unusual, first of all, hindrance on production, but second of all, an unusual thing for, for HR departments and managers to have to handle when they're, when it's not really affecting people's work per se, but it causes a distraction and, and a worry that, that definitely drives down productivity. Right. There are lots of worries at the moment that HR people need to be concerned about. And what it means is that the leadership of organizations need to start showing a genuine concern for the well-being of their people. There are so many distractions, so many issues to worry about. So leaders need to go out there and speak to their people individually and show a genuine concern for their health, their psychological health, their physical health, their financial health, and just check that people are okay. I don't think we're doing that enough. The leaders normally talk about uh, productivity and how you're doing with your workload and this and that, but they're not really getting involved in the individual's personal health. And I think, and that would be the first thing to do as far as leadership is concerned. And the other area is to try and build a culture in the organization where people feel a sense of belonging, where everyone comes to work for the same reason. You know, we have in South Africa, people come to work for different reasons. Managers come to work to make profits and and to increase productivity. Staff come to work to earn a salary. And there's an inherent conflict of interest there for people, you know, just right from the outset, because if you are paying higher salaries, then your profit will be lower and vice versa. So everybody needs to have a common purpose. Everyone needs to have a sense of belonging. I belong in this organization. I'm trusted. I'm respected. People are concerned about my well-being. They're concerned about my growth and development. I feel that I'm treated with fairness and dignity. My contribution is valued, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And if they have that sense of belonging and they truly believe that they come to work to serve, then you can start to build a common purpose. Most people think they come to work to make money, and that is really wrong because you don't come to work to make money. You come to work to serve the needs and wants of your customers, and if you serve them well, you will be rewarded. We always need to put service before reward. And if we can build a culture like that where everybody thinks the same, and that's what we try to do at Sorbet, is to get everyone to understand why we come to work in the first place. What are we there for? What is our purpose? And and it wasn't about making money. It was always about touching people's lives, making them feel good about themselves. That was our driving force at Sorbet. So if you can get people to think like that, and everybody comes for the same reason, 
then it's much easier to manage this process, no matter how difficult it is in terms of remote working and all the distractions. We just need to remind everyone that they come to work to serve. And particularly now, we need to understand that the customers out there are also having lots and lots of stress themselves, and they will remember how they got treated during the pandemic. They will remember you for the service that you provided and the, and the concern and the, and the care that you showed at this time. So it's really important, not only for ourselves, but to remember that our customers are also very stressed and they need help too. So it's quite a challenging environment, but if you have a culture where there's a common purpose of service, there's a much better chance that you'll be able to survive this process. 101.95, I'm talking today to Ian Fur from Hatch, which is working on the issues of cultures in companies. And we're talking today about the issue of productivity, about burnout. How are you feeling at your business at the moment? Uh, Ian, one of the things that you spoke about right at the beginning, which really sort of spoke to me, is this issue of role conflict and role ambiguity. You know, it's one thing that when people leave an organization, then you've got to pick up the work. But in addition to that, there's also a problem of, well, okay, you've got to pick up the work, but it might not have been your responsibility in the first place. And so you don't really know what it is that you're supposed to be doing because now suddenly you have to do multiple tasks, which weren't maybe even within the kind of work that you did when you first started at the company. Right. That's happening a lot at the moment, Benji. We have situations where people are not exactly clear about their responsibilities at work. And there's a lack of understanding around what's expected of them and what they have to deliver. And this causes heightened anxiety, of course. So the key is the communication factor. We do need to communicate effectively. And it's more difficult. There's no question that it's more difficult to keep the communication going when you're working remotely than when you're in the office. You know, when you're in the office, you can call people together quickly and just have a quick meeting and say, this is what's happening. And you can call somebody into your office. But when you're working remotely, it's a bit more of a mission. You've got to go and you've got to book a Zoom call and you've got to talk to people and phone them. And then you're never quite sure that they're getting all the messages that they need to get. So there is a lot of role ambiguity and also role conflict where people think they're supposed to be doing something and they, their managers or their leaders think something else altogether. And that obviously is going to cause a lot of confusion and upset. So you've got that. And then on top of all of that, you've got the work overload. So, so you've got quite a few things that you need to deal with. And from a leadership point of view, which is so important, and a culture point of view, we need to make sure that the communication is really effective and ongoing and simple and easy to understand and checking people that they do understand what is required. Because sometimes we tell people, we give them a message, but we're not always sure that they've understood the message in the same way we want them to understand that. That's one of the biggest breakdowns. And also, we're not listening to our people enough. I always say to people that you can never learn when you are speaking. You can only ever learn when you are listening. So when you are listening properly to other people's needs and wants and concerns, and also if you've created a place of safety where people feel free to speak up without fear, that's one of the biggest problems in South African businesses. People are afraid to speak up and share their concerns. So somebody might be very unclear about what they have to do, but they're afraid to raise that because they might look silly or stupid or they're, or they're afraid of, of their leader or their boss, whatever we want to call it. And so 
we need to make sure that we create that place of safety. That's one of the fundamental objectives of building a strong culture is to create a place of safety where people feel free to speak without fear of victimization or intimidation. The other thing, Ian, which I've certainly been noticing in some of the workplaces is this almost idea of people and parts of the institution disappearing, right? We're all assuming that we're going to come back at some point after this in some way or another on the pandemic level. But, you know, people have died in the interim. Offices have been downsized because there's not enough money to pay for office space. The the institution is looking really different, but people are not seeing it until, until they go back. They haven't had a chance to mourn. It's almost like, the whole whole organizations are changing, but people haven't realized. It's a whole new world completely, Reggie, a whole new world. People don't realize the extent of the changes. And also, we've lost people, we've lost colleagues. Some of them have actually died. Some are really sick. So all of this stuff on top of everything else that makes it even more difficult and, and gives us even more reason to make sure that we are looking after the people, that we're giving them opportunities uh, you know, to see counselling and, and, and making sure that they are well and they're okay. So you can also imagine the people that haven't been retrenched or haven't lost their jobs, they are very uncertain about their future. So they've got additional stress. It's almost like the, the hangman's noose is just hovering above their heads, waiting for them to also get cast out of the organization. And that's one of the things that I've been quite concerned about, especially from the larger corporates. Now, for a small company, sometimes you have no choice. You have to let people go because you just can't afford to keep them because it's about survival. But in the larger corporates where they can afford, where they're now thinking too much about what the shareholders are going to see at at the quarterly profit figures, and they're retrenching people and adding to unemployment, and all the race relations issues that are in, impacted by these things as well. There's lots of other stuff out there, and I think the corporates haven't really played the game, in my view. Those that have let people go at, at a time like this and just added to the enormous unemployment figures and added to the enormous inequality that we see in South Africa, I'm not sure that they're doing the country any favours at all. Now, you know, we, we tend to think about technology and Zoom that you've mentioned as maybe being a hindrance to communication within teams, to helping create a, a good culture. And, and obviously that's something that people are grappling with. Is there a way that we can think about the technologies or maybe the way we use them in a more intelligent manner so that maybe they can contribute to a better team culture? Yeah, I, th- I think if, if we have more general communications, a lot of it is one-on-one, okay? And I don't think they do enough general sort of group webinars, which, which is what I do with my clients. I always encourage them to have group webinars where, where we are sharing with them the information that they need to know, all of the issues, what's happening, what are the decisions around office working, remote working, what are the figures looking like, open and transparent information shared to everybody, not to just to selected individuals. Let the whole company know right through from from the tea lady all the way through to the top. Let everyone know how the company is doing, what are the challenges we face, how are we addressing them, what ideas do you have that can help us serve our customers better at this very difficult time. 
and just keep that open communication and, and the, the transparency of information going. The more we share information, the more at ease our people will be. It's when we're hiding stuff and we don't tell them, that's what increases the stress levels. Now, you obviously were the, the CEO and the driver behind Sorbet and, you know, the, the whole company and really the revolution in, in taking care of, of, of oneself in, in that way. Uh, what, what are you seeing out there from outside of the company's perspective, the sort of self-care of, of people and, and how people are thinking about themselves? You're talking about sorbet specifically? Yeah, well, I'm saying using your sorbet experience to sort of right. maybe reflect on, on, on where we are at the moment with that. Right. So, so, and Sorbet, the biggest feature for me was culture. It was always going to be about culture. So my, my whole life, in fact, in all my entrepreneurial ventures over my life, culture, people, leadership, and specifically race relations have been key. So, so when I was there for the 15 odd years that, that we built Sorbet, um, I, I spent probably 40 to 50% of my time focusing on culture. Because I truly believed that if we wanted to differentiate ourselves from everyone else, we needed to have a powerful attitude of the people towards service. There are many, many salons doing very similar things to what we did, but the only differentiator was our culture. You know, you can copy anything. You can copy treatments, you can copy prices, you can copy products, you can copy the look and feel of a business, but you can never copy its culture. So if you had to ask me what was the the competitive advantage that allowed us to grow to 225 franchise outlets in South Africa, it would definitely be the attitude of our people towards their guests or their clients and, and, and the way in which they served. So we were able to shift that paradigm from I come to work to make money to I come to work to serve. And that was really the secret of, of our success. Having said that, obviously Sorbet has been through a very, very difficult period with the pandemic after I left. I really feel for them it's been tough. And you know, so I, I think that the culture obviously takes strain in that type of environment, but I'm sure that they will come through it and, and the new leadership will, will do well. In terms of other companies and, and my clients that I'm working with, it's just always about how do we get people involved? How do we get the people to feel that they belong so that they can go out there and, and do something meaningful, make a meaningful contribution to our clients, to our society? Everybody must be there to serve, regardless of what you do. Leadership should be serving the people who are serving the people. They also need to be culture-driven. In other words, leadership today must understand the complexities and the volatility of the South African socio-economic environment and, and, and political environment. Race relations is a massive issue in South Africa. It has been for 300 years and it's still a big issue. And we haven't done nearly enough to address the problems that we experience in terms of racial polarization in South Africa. So that's another thing. We have to shift mindsets. We also have to instill hope into people. At the moment, there's an overwhelming sense of hopelessness that's creeping across our country. And it's, it's our responsibility as leaders and as advisors, mentors, is to 
is to try and help people to shift that mindset away from the negative narrative that is, is destroying hope to a more positive environment. So this is what we need to be working towards. Every single person must contribute and all have a moral obligation to try and uplift this country, to try and create equal opportunities for everybody so that they can be, so that we can build a prosperous country going forward where everyone has access to the economy, which is unlike at the moment with 70% youth unemployment, which is shocking to say the least. And if people want to get some insights into maybe how they can become better leaders, how they can manage their organizations more effectively, yeah. uh, where can they go to find out some more information on this kind of stuff? Right. I think the best way would be just to email us at info at hatchinstitute.co.za. Info at hatchinstitute.co.za. Well, okay. there you go, info at hatchinstitute.co.za. You can go uh, check them out and see what is going on if you want to sort of improve the culture inside your company. Ian, thank you so much for joining us on the show today and uh, best of luck helping everyone not panic through the pandemic. Thank you very much for having me, Benji. Much appreciated. And you have a good week.